Hey, I'm Fuzz. I'm Joel. Welcome to Fags and Fendi. And we're here to talk about life, relationships, and what it is to be a queer person of color in Australia. He said it all. Welcome back to Fags in Fendi. We have taken a two to three week break. I can't quite remember. I'm thinking in <laughs> gay time. And gay time is always a little bit longer. But how are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm just looking, <laughs> shall I discuss the hair? I am <laughs> discussing that cockroach egg brooch that you have. In fact, you look like conjunctivitis, honey. What is going on? Oh, and those nails, honey. This is not it. Oh, you are being red today. That's all I've got to say. I have so much material today, darlings. But, you know, that's what happens after three weeks. You come back and you just realize that your co-host is hideous. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing that you're now older and we have to be careful if we have COVID symptoms. Can I just you. say, can I just say that? And with that I, hair and the balding patch. I would like to, I would like to take it back a step. I would like to acknowledge to the audience that I did have an existential crisis the day that I turned <laughs> 35. Yes, so everybody. So we can discuss it now. <laughs> I am 35 years old. I turned 35 on the 29th of July. Um, and the day that that happened, I had a full-blown existential crisis, uh, which lasted a couple of months. I refused to celebrate my birthday because I was convinced I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel much better now, and now I'm excited Why to turn 40. Why were you convinced 40. you were going to die? Because, okay, this is an interesting story. <laughs> so when I was younger, when I was, actually when I was a teenager, mm. I basically many decided... Many years ago, yes. Like, not that long ago, sweetie. Many, so many years ago. I decided back then, I was like, okay, do you know what? I think that dying at 35 is a good age because I was like, I'll still be young and gorgeous, which I am. Yeah. And then I was like, and I would have done like so many exciting things by then. So, you know, because 35 seemed like a long way off at the time. So I literally proceeded to live life incredibly fast. And then I think that when I like got to 35, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But then I realized now that actually I'm not going to die. <laughs> I have at least another 35 years in me. But You also, can see the amount of eye rolls I'm doing <laughs> when I heard also, this absurd story. I mean, I think, you know, we all make a decision about these things, all I've got to say. But thankfully, thanks to my decision to die at 35, I have done much with my life. So what is the the new age to die? 70. So I've decided 70 (laughs) is a good age to die. And then when you had 70? No, I think I think that by 70 I would have I would have Can you give me permission when you're 70 and you don't go? I'll just poison you. (laughs) (laughs) I will happily volunteer. I volunteer as tribute. Do you know what as they say? It's 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 the Lord's time, honey, when the Lord is ready to take me home, I'll be ready to go home on that chariot. But um oh it's such an it's been such an interesting uh, couple of weeks. You know, it's been so good. To take a break for a bit, I feel like it was much needed. I think so as well, because you know what? I don't think people realize that sitting in these chairs and recording this podcast, you know, you're like, you're kind of going through your own trauma in a way. And you're also going, even if it's not trauma, you're you're going through your own experiences. (laughs) It's therapy, especially for Joel. As we all know, everybody, Joel is still single and looking for a lover. So we are taking applications. Please message Fags in Fendi on Instagram. And if you have a doctor who knows of in like, you know, miracles for the hair, please reach out as well. Do you know what though? I have decided that I no longer care and you can say what you like because I can tell you don't care anymore. I mean, obviously, obviously I, I care because I have been, can I just say everybody, I'm also on a health kick. I would like to proudly announce that I have now lost 10 kilos. I'm very happy about this, but it's not about the way that you look. It's about the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's like what we said in the body, um, the body episode, episode um, the beauty episode, you know, it's about finding a body that you are comfortable to live in. So that's the journey that I'm on currently. 
Although I feel pretty comfortable right now, so I better not get too comfortable. That <laughs> yeah, would be not trouble. too comfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think it's been GM. interesting in this break, we've all been having our own conversations and we keep mentioning how all these conversations during the three weeks that we took a non-planned break, we're back for season half, <laughs> <laughs> was like we're revisiting a lot of the themes from our previous episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been very interesting because I remember you posted about um, you know, that, that what you mentioned about being comfortable with your weight mm -hmm. because you're discussing about, you know, the episode of beauty mm -hmm. and I was discussing about an episode of friendship. And then it's just interesting how these themes keep recurring. Yeah, because and I feel like the things that we discuss are the things of life. What I found most interesting is meeting people and having them sort of share parts of their lives with us about like, okay, well, this is the episode where you know, that, that like, that I resonated with. This is the episode where you said something and I was like, oh yeah, you know, like, and and I think that it's because so very often in life, when we walk through life, you kind of need to hear a bit of an echo, you know? So if if you think something in your, in your mind, if you say something out loud to yourself, it's kind of nice to have it come back to you, yeah. even if it's in somebody else's voice. Because, well, actually, especially if it's in somebody else's voice, because it validates your experience. And I think that that's what we want to sort of encourage people to do is, you know, continue to, in before we get into the meat of today's episode. Mm, you I know, thought you are the meat of today's episode. I mean, you're definitely the fat, so that makes <laughs> sense. I think that... Um, that was the same fucking joke. I think okay. that what you need to do is just like continue to engage with us, like send us messages. Um, and I think... You know, tell us what you think, leave comments. What was I meaning about why it was very important to like stop for a bit is people don't realize when you're doing this weekly, it just all feels so fast. We we ourselves are not able to like really digest what we've said. And so that's why in the three weeks of breaks, we've had multiple conversations with different people, different friends. And we in our, we ourselves were digesting the topics and it feels really nice to like, oh, that was an episode two, that was an episode three. So that's what I mean by this break has been really good in I that agree. way. And in many ways, this has been a diary of our lives. You know, it's like going back, doing a deep dive and, and trying to figure out exactly where it is that we sit in the world. But in this, which we will now call season two of Fags and Fendi, which had a very, very short break. <laughs> we will, um, we're going to... We will season be, two? I thought season 1.5. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's it's like the iPhone, you know, when they release like an iPhone X this or whatever. This is season one plus. <laughs> Forget it, right? So in this one plus episode, um, season of Fags and Fendi, we will be bringing on other people mm -hmm. to share conversations and stories with us so that we're able to share those stories with you. And look, if you have somebody that you want to hear from, that you want to join our table, please let us know. We would love to know. We'd love to know who you want to know of and from in the community. And, you know, if you want to hear a story, if you have a particular interest, wherever you sit on the spectrum of the rainbow, you know, get in touch with us and we would love to hear that feedback. And speaking of which, can I just say that today, this is what we're talking about. We are talking about community and the importance of community, the importance of coming together as queer people, as rainbow people, as people who find ourselves 
Well, who have found we ourselves on the that fringes. that the term rainbow people. <laughs> I actually like that. Rainbow people. I like rainbow people too. Rainbow that's people all... versus the village village people. So. <laughs> you know, call me rainbow. As long as you include the black and brown, I'm happy, honey. Um, but I think that it's important um, for us to kind of like to dig into that, you know, a little bit. And Joel has an interesting story from a couple of nights ago when he was out on one of his rampages. On my 34th birthday. May his... I say I'm still younger than... The little grandma across the table over here. 34th birthday. You know, no matter what she says, she'll always be one year older than me. 35 is the circumference of your hole. So that makes sense. (laughs) Well, knowing, thinking that you are going to die at 35. (laughs) So that's too late. Don't even. Anyway, let's get to my 34th experience. So 34th experience. So tell me, so you were out I was out on my birthday night when you were... Almost dying. I heard his <laughs> voice on the phone. He was meant to be there for dinner, but he was like, Oh, Joel, I can't make it. <laughs> I was like, Please stay home with your COVID. Like, literally, okay, so just for reference, my sick voice sounds the same as Joel's regular voice. He does so not. that's what makes sense. Anywho, you're delusional. <laughs> anyway, so we had dinner. We had a lovely night. I had a group of eight friends. Uh, we went to Hubert's, by the way. Shout out to Hubert's. Amazing food. You Amazing have to say vibe. it properly. Hubert, no? No, I'm doing it the American way. So anyway, we had a good night and then we ended up at establishment, as we all do. And um, not really because I was forced forced to go. So straight. I know a lot of my friends like to go there, so I just put up with it. We ended up at establishment and it was a Tuesday night and it's Latin night for anyone that knows. And I usually tend to like, I don't really enjoy clubbing anymore. Because I don't know whether is it I'm in my 30s, whether I'm because I'm 34 now. I don't know. You tell me. Are you feeling the same where, you know, clubbing is just not your thing anymore? Darling, I might be 35 in age. I'm not asking 28 you. You're 40. Okay. I love to go out because I am transgender. I am Gen Z. I literally remember him saying on the phone yesterday, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so don't even. So we were out and, um, you know, we, uh, we were walking in, me and my friend Damiani. We walked into the club. And we saw these two trans girls in the middle. There was a table there. Uh, beautiful girls. One of them, I was just like, man, you are so pretty. Um, we we ended up at that table for some reason. At first, I didn't know what it was. We just ended up at the table in the middle. We started buying drinks. And my friend Damiani, this is a shout out to you, Damiani, who listens to the podcast. Um, Damiani started talking to one of the girls. And he was saying, you know, you look fabulous, la, la, la. So they already obviously knew we were gay, even though we had glitter everything on our jackets. Um, and I was then having a chat with her. And I started to notice the room around us. I myself, whenever I go go to establishment, I always feel some kind of way because it's a very straight lace, you know, energy. So I always feel like my guard is up. I'm looking around. I'm not really kind of like 100% enjoying myself and not 100% myself included. I always have this wall up just to be prepared for anything that comes my way. Whenever, as you are being queer in a straight play, straight world. And, um, you know, I was talking to the, talking to one of the girls and, you know, we it was just amazing because I was having this revelation of like, man, I feel like this. Imagine how she must feel, how much, um, how much braver she must be and how much she must have a guard up. You know, at first when I was looking at her, I was just having all this internal thought, just staring at her being like, 
imagine being her. She's got to be braver, like 10 times braver than me. And I already have to be brave. So I was putting myself in her shoes and I actually told her, man, I really applaud you because of how brave you have to be. And when I broke her down a little bit in terms of the first impression, she was a really friendly girl at the back. Mm. And that again showed me of like, you know, all the guards that we have to have up, which might be misconstrued as arrogance. It might be misconstrued as don't talk to me. Mm. But that is, that is also an energy that I have purely because it's a defense mechanism. Mm. It's what I have, you know, just in preparation of, you know, someone might say something or I might get double stares. I noticed the amount of guys I walked past our table, gave her double, triple looks, and even just staring at her for a long time. I mean, one, a few of them were trying to be funny. I would, would have decked them for her, gladly. And um, it was just amazing how in that club, we found community. Yeah. We, were, we were on that table together and I felt comfortable being with them. They felt comfort being with us. It reached to the point where halfway through the night, she was like, can you watch our bags? I'm just going to have a little fag outside. And I was like, that's fine. And I felt protective of her as well, knowing how much braver she had to be. And it was just interesting. It just opened my eyes looking at them. I almost felt, you know, one of those like teary nostalgic moments or like those soft moments where you have looking at someone. That was what I was going through. I was just looking at her thinking, how brave you had to be, good on you. I, and, and you know, this table represented us queer people just coming together and, and trans people, like just being together in comfort in this straight surrounding. And it was just beautiful. No, I completely agree. And I think that like, I mean, one of the things that our listeners should be aware of is that, you know, crimes, hate crimes against trans people is is 100% on the rise. I mean, the more that there's education around what it means to be trans, the more the trans people are stepping out bravely to, to sort of to own their identity and to live authentically, which is what we all want to do, the more bigots and hateful people feel the need to attack them. And I am not a trans person, so I cannot speak on the trans experience. However, as a person, as an ally, and I think that we need to sort of normalize that. We need allies even within the community, you know? Like, if you are a gay man like I am, you can be an ally to trans people just as if you are a trans person, you can be an ally to gay men. We have our own very particular struggles. But I think that, like, the one thing that we have, have in common is this, is I remember saying this in, in an episode, a couple of episodes ago, but, you know, the definition of queerness is, you know, to be at odds with the world, to be at odds with like uh, the world structure. And, and I agree with you in that like very often many of our behaviors and many of the ways that we choose to react and things that people say about, um, about the way that we are. And, and you'll find this in particular with um, queer men of color, gay men of color. I'll be very, I'll, I'll be more specific um, because that is my experience. So as a gay man of color, you know, I am expected to be slightly boisterous and loud and colorful and and kind of like like a little bit over the top and, you know, sort of like play the role of that like exotic gay best friend sort of thing. And it's not that I play up to those tropes, but a lot of those tropes come from a sense of defense. I've been I, I've been at establishment as well. You know, it's 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 it is actually it's it's a lovely venue. I mean, it is what it is. It's in the middle of Sydney. I live close by. It's just because it's it's but convenient. It's right in the it's middle. It's convenient. It's right in the middle. But it's certainly and it's not not gay friendly. I think that people should be aware of that. But at the same time, it is very heterosexual. There is a lot of heterosexual energy within that space. That note is very 
good and important just because a venue is gay or queer friendly it doesn't mean that we feel safe there a hundred percent it is how you know it's the it's the people it's, it's about it's, finding community yes. and like at the end of the day when you're sitting there like do you know how many times because look i also work in fashion so the way that i tend to dress um I'm I'm a I'm very expressive in the way that I dress for no other reason other than it's what I like to wear and I don't give a fuck about what anybody has to say about what I what I wear, but when I'm in those spaces and when I'm with my friends and if I'm laughing or whatever even if I walk by to go to the bathroom, you know you 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 know as as a queer man of color as a person of color generally you feel like. You know, there, there's a bit of a. Oh, it's it's not easy, and and I know that it's difficult for people to understand that, particularly if they're not. But it isn't easy in spaces that are predominantly white. Now, if you add to that the fact that you're a queer person, yeah. you know, you kind of have this extra sort of like you know, like you feel like eyes are on you, and eyes very often are on yeah. you. But how many times I have been in an establishment and other places like that, which are not necessarily not gay friendly, which are very open and welcoming to queer people and queer people do exist in those spaces, but that are predominantly heterosexual. How many times heterosexual men in their drunkenness have come up to me thinking that they are being supported, being like, oh, you know, I don't have a problem with the gays. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that you're gay and you're out there. And it's like, like, it's cute, but also don't other me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't make me feel any like less a part of humanity yeah then i can already feel or sometimes. even the fucking drunk white girl who comes up because i was wearing this camilla oh my god honey you look so fabulous touch everywhere I'm can like, i okay don't I, touch I, me. I i need to make a point <laughs> i need to make a point because people don't seem to understand this okay and in particular like with all respect with all respect to my heterosexual cisgendered white brothers and sisters do we not touch. Up in here. Do not <laughs> touch a colored person's hair. <laughs> it's very offensive. And also, do not touch our bodies. I would not walk up to a cisgendered heterosexual anything, male or female, a white person. I would not come up to you and touch you because. It's a matter, you know, we especially if you're a stranger. I mean, if you're my friend, that's different. Then, you know, of course. But if you're a stranger, like, just don't do it. Like, it's it's offensive. Like, I'm not a zoo animal to be petted. And it's not like no, I'm but like But if a, it was the other way around, if I go up to a girl and, like, even though I'm gay, like, but you wouldn't know that before, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody would know. I think Whatever. everybody would know. If you go actually. up and touch the girl, like, oh, my God, you look fabulous. What's she going to do? She's going to turn around and deck you. Like, I would expect Or she she'll call the bouncer and exactly. be like, get out. But you know, And they won't listen to us. They take the girl's side. <laughs> I know this from experience. <laughs> very, but very often. And, you know, and also, you know, if you did that to a cisgender heterosexual male, they'd be like, you know, get the fuck off me. So, like, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, guys, and, and this happens predominantly, actually, to people of color in this case, right? Like, like we're not like animals in the wild. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, look, at it's one of them out here amongst us. Like, don't do that. Like, it's really ridiculous. I had a, I have a friend. Um, I, I don't know if I talked to her. I think I did in one of the other episodes. But, um, you know, she she's a, she's a South Sudanese woman who, who had her hair in braids. And I'm just going to retell the story. And, <laughs> and like, literally, like, every single time her hair is in braids, somebody goes and, and touches her hair. It's like, don't do that. Like, 
it's offensive. You know, it's I, I understand that people feel like they're appreciating, but appreciate with your words from afar, you know, the same way that we would. I think that's very important. And again, this comes back to the importance, therefore, of community and within community. So I, I've talked a lot, like we both have about like people of color in particular, what it means to be a black, brown or indigenous person um, in in spaces that are predominantly white, and especially if you're queer. I think that it's important, therefore, you know, I touched briefly before on being an ally. Even within our community, it's important to acknowledge the intersectionalities of our experiences, that mm. we are not all the same. You know? And I think it's really interesting. That's what I meant by when I was in that um, setting and we were together on that table, I kind of laughed in my head because I was like, oh my God, this goes back to episode one, bravery. Mm. And I mean, we all do it. I, I know there's passing jokes, you know, gay guys will laugh at lesbians and lesbians will laugh at gay guys and, and we make fun of um, trans people. Like it's, it's, there's jokes that go around within the community. But I say this all the time. When we come for Mardi Gras, we all come together for one parade. We all march that one road and everyone forms one little snake and we all walk together. And that's why I thought it was very interesting because it's the bigger picture. Mm. Establishment was the bigger picture and our table was the community and our table was a safe space. And in the end, no, we were not laughing at each other because we were looking out for each other. We were looking at the world almost outside thinking, oh my God, it's us, we feel safe, yeah? And we need to protect each other. Like I said, if if one of the guys were gonna act funny with that, I wouldn't have hesitated to just deck them. I would love some stress relief, you know? <laughs> love that. But you know what though, actually, so I think that, I think it's important to note, and I think that like, you know, that's why it's important for us to also realize, you know, cause we've come so far in terms of time chronological time from the beginning of the movement at Stonewall. And we forget sometimes where it started because as we moved along the road towards, you know, what queer liberation, we, we divided ourselves because some of us got, because some of us got, got to where we wanted to get or got close to where we wanted to get much faster than others. We've touched before on certain elements, you know, like, um, the, the concept of passing, for those of you that don't understand what passing means, it means that you, well, essentially that you can pass, pass for being, has. yeah, and usually, you know, for being a heterosexual, you know, I mean, like, privilege exists in the form of a heterosexual cisgendered white male. Mm. Now, if you can pass as that, the closer you are to that standard, the better your chances are. And I think that because of that, we fractured. We fractured. And this is across the board. I mean, like, you know, I found it so in, for example, in, um, in I'll use the example of indentured servitude because that's, that is my ancestry and I can speak on it. So when Indians were taken out of India and taken to the various parts of the world um, to be indentured servants or slaves, the closer you were, like your proximity to whiteness as in fair skin, was your proximity to freedom or to better treatment. It was your proximity to, you know, to rather than like working the cane fields, to being a supervisor on a cane field, for example. And then what ends up happening is that those people eventually start to feel a little bit better than the others, right? And it's a normal human um, survival response 
in that like, okay, I'm a little bit better. You know, I'm light skinned, so I'm a little bit better. And it it pervades our culture even now. And I think that like, you know, I've spoken to African-American friends of mine, for example, who feel the same in terms of, not exactly the same, but certainly a similar sentiment in terms of, you know, light skinned people and dark skinned people having different levels of treatment, which is still the same across the world. Now, in queerness, it's the same thing. It's just more complex because it's not so easy, you know, if, because we have other various intersectionalities. And that's what community means, though. Community doesn't just mean, it, community means what, 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 um, what your experience was. Community means that we can sit together. We can respect our individual struggles. We can accept the fact that they're not all the same, you know? Like I would be able to, so for example, like you did, as I would be able to, I would be able to sit with a friend who is trans and I would be able to accept the fact that in this, uh, right now, in this time, that person who is my friend is struggling far more than I am because of the various narratives around their identity. I mean, like, you know, there is so much, it's it's disgusting. I was was listening to something um, this morning from Piers Morgan, who I sometimes just, you know, just want to stab him in the face. Like, but- um, (laughs) I would join you to stab him. But this is is a cisgendered, heterosexual, white male with immense privilege. He's also a wealthy man, which puts him in a very, very interesting class of people sort of sitting there, you know, passing judgment and making comment on somebody else's identity. Mm. And that's that's terrible. Mm. I know what that's like as well. However, for that person, my friend who is trans, it's far worse because there's so much narrative around that right now, much like there was for gay men, you know, some years back. I mean, there's still some comment on gay But it actually now. comes back to what we said even in the first few episodes of sit down, have us in your circles, ask the questions and listen to the conversations that we are bringing up because if you don't have a diverse group of friends even just friends in general if you don't have us amongst you how are you going to know the struggles and then you have the you have like you said Piers Morgan he's pushing his agenda but he's talking for us without you're not us you don't know what our struggles are and this is also the conversations that I have with straight friends who you know who when we come out and we share these stories, it's only then after listening to the podcast that, you know, I've had straight friends who have asked me, oh my God, I I didn't realize this was your experience. I didn't know homophobia still exists. For a lot of them, all they see is this woke culture that's happening in the background or in media. Those voices seem to be louder than the homophobic experiences of queer people every day. But it it, it is good to see like even my friends included coming up to me to say, you know, my friends of like 12, 15 years now still coming up to me to say, oh my God, until you shared your experience on the episode, I never truly understood every part of you until I heard your story. I heard Faz's story. It kind of like connected the dots for me, my friend saying that, you know, now I know why you're so loud or now I know why you're so extra because you of what you've been through and now you choose to have a very unforgiving presence. And so it's good to have these conversations, but it's very important for you to, like we said in the first few episodes, look at who's in your table. You need this diverse group of people to be able to uh, speak to and be able to represent the number of stories that come through. And I think that like, I think that like, you know, we've spoken that in particular to, to heterosexual people, but I think it's important also, and, and we've spoken that, to, of course, you know, I think very specifically to 
um, white cisgendered gay men. Was it the episode where he said Dominic Dolly? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that like, I think all of us, all of us in the community need to make an effort to ensure that we are actually a community. Yeah. Because we're the only ones who can step in for each other. Yeah. We got to treat each other like brothers and sisters. We got to treat each other like people who are there for each other. Because very often, even now, sometimes the first family you experience as a queer person is the community. Yeah. So let's make it a good family. Yeah. Let's make it a family that that actually that actually cares a family you know, that actually speaking of people that, together very quickly um you know how viola davis has just released the movie women is king yes and i think that's the first superhero role where women a black woman is starring as the main um character and superhero and i've seen quite a lot of um, black stars and celebrities share the movie telling everyone to go out and support the movie because you know if you keep supporting it then it will keep happening and i thought that was also another thing that i noticed how beautiful it was to even just colored people we should all be supporting the movie just because we want to see more of this and more representation and this word again representation comes out again because viola is very big with representation if you can see it then we can we know that you know that could be me one day yeah. if i'm colored same thing with the little mermaid the freaking helly helly bailey being the new little mermaid can i just say storm I do not understand for the life of me why people are so pressed by this. I like know. I literally have seen people be like, "Oh my god, no mermaid can't be white, can't be black." And the how do you know? Life. It's a fucking fairy tale. Like, how is a mermaid not gonna be like? What color is a mermaid? Isn't aren't they supposed to be green? <laughs> and then someone replied, "Just like the white Jesus you guys have created in the <laughs> movies." There you go. <laughs> uh, somebody says something which is really horrible. I'm going to share the joke, but please, y'all, do not. Like, do not cut me for this, but I just thought it was a little bit funny. So somebody put up a, a meme that sh that they shared, and they were like, "Think about oh, it." Well, <laughs> what, they were like, "What about um, oh well, um, <laughs> like basically, redhead people have now lost an icon or whatever." And somebody was like, "Oh well, they've got Chucky," and I was like, "That's so oh, mean." Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I'm sorry. I think the next Chucky should be colored. <laughs> <laughs> the next Chucky should be black. Chucky you know Chandra. <laughs> no, but actually, but see, these are the things you know, like. It's interesting to me that no matter how far we go in the world and in our conversations and in, you know, you know, we talk about woke culture and like, you know, there's like a war on woke or whatever. You know, there's some people who like absolutely hate it, apparently. Mm. But really, like, what power does woke culture have if we're still... If we're still so angry about these things, like I was, I mean, it's, it, there's been a lot in the media recently, and maybe that's why we took this break because, bitch, I was tired. Like, you know, <laughs> Rings of Power. Um, okay, unpopular opinion. I just don't like the show, but I wasn't a big fan of a lot of the Rings. That's how dare that. you? It's just well, terrible. I haven't watched House of Dragon, like um, House of Dragon. House of Dragon. Of, I haven't even watched Game of Thrones. Okay, that's a problem. <laughs> but what was really interesting to me was that nobody was really not nobody, but like not the primary critique of um, the the rings thing. The uh, rings the, thing. <laughs> I even forgot what it's called. Lord um, of the Rings. Power of the Rings or whatever it's called. Ring of Power. Ring of Power. There we go. The rings <laughs> thing. <laughs> it sounds like a porno. It's not the anal ring. <laughs> <laughs> so the primary criticism was not that like, you know, the plot line was not great or blah, 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 whatever. It was that 
It was too culturally diverse. And there were like literally articles that were like, oh, woke culture has gone too far. It's like, fuck off. Mm. Like you are telling me that you do not believe that human beings exist in all hues of color. That's basically what, what these people are saying. It's like, you believe that to be woke means to accept the fact that human beings are diverse? Is that what you think woke means? And don't means? forget, again, this brings back brings us back to our point of as much as we were all celebrating the new little mermaid there was about 1000 like 500,000 dislikes of the video teaser yeah what does that say but it's just like okay so there's a movie coming out soon um called bros right which is which is a queer romance all the actors are queer people um i'm you know i'm i'm yet to sort of have more detail on it um however i read an article that said that uh, queerphobic people are already trying to tank it through their reviews. Like, can you imagine the commitment to this? And this is the thing that people don't seem to realize. It's like, okay, like if you are not a queer person, if you're not a person of color, if you're not a queer person of color, you might think that these things don't really matter, or that they're like minor, but they're not. Like they have an impact on us. They have an impact on young queer people. They have an impact on young queer people of color because they make you feel like your existence is somehow offensive or an inconvenience to the world. And you have to, we have to push back against that. And the way to push back against that is to acknowledge the fact that we really have not come as far as we think we have. We thought that just because we'd be allowed to get married that everything would change. But yeah. no. And we mentioned this as well, is that we're living in this constant fear of when is the laws going to be revoked or reversed? 100%. Because, I mean, look at the new president, is it prime minister, president of... Um, of um, of Italy, Italy? Yeah. yeah, and she's known for being anti-LGBT. Yeah, there you go. So once she's in power, it only takes a bit for the laws to reverse on that front. I mean, then, that's Italy. I mean, think about the United States. It takes one change of president. It takes one. So I mean, you've already got like the governor of of Texas trying to ban drag queens because he feels like they are somehow offensive to society or like that they poison the minds of children. It's he like probably secretly does his drag shows at night. Oh, one hundred percent. Do you know what's more traumatic to children? Clowns. How about we ban clowns? But no, we don't. Do then, we? That means that we have to ban you then. Oh no, honey! I wouldn't talk if I were you with that over-made-up face anyway, and that bad contour. Can I just say your contour is terrible? I think what it reminded me of is that you know what in today's day, like today's day and age, it is not enough to just say that I am. You know, when we had this Black Lives Matter, I had this conversation, and that was my biggest learning, and is what I say today to people: is it's not enough to be um, not racist. So same thing with uh, being homophobic. It's not enough to be anti, like, you don't just be an ally and say, I support gay people. You have to be anti-racist. You have to be anti-homophobic. You have to step up and be anti and be louder. And I think that's how you can help us. Not just by saying, yeah, yeah, you know, I support gays and that's all you do. You have to be anti-homophobia. So even if I was a straight person, I was at that club, it's not enough for me to just look at that trans girl and just say, okay, she's there and she's, you know, I want to be able to look out for her. And that was what I felt was, you know, even in this community of table that we had, it was not just enough for me to sit there and feel safe with her. It was me looking out for her because it was acknowledging that she has more struggles than me. Even though, you know, whatever my struggles may be, in that moment, I felt that, you know, she had to do more. She had to be braver. Mm -hmm. 
more, she had to be braver than me. And that's why I felt this need to watch out for her and be protective for her. And I think and that I therefore think- also, even in our community, you know, it's so important. You know, if you are a gay man, be anti-transphobic. You know, stand up, stand up for your trans brothers and sisters. You know, if you are a trans person, you know, stand up for your for your gay brothers. Stand up for your lesbian sisters. Like if you are, if you're bisexual, you stand up for your stand up for your bisexual. And don't just and celebrate sisters. them like, singing Beyonce's song and saying, you know, this is where it came from, the ballroom culture. Like actually acknowledge it and know where the ballroom culture came from. Yeah. A lot of it is a trans culture. Don't just be dancing the songs, but then not actually be acknowledging the people and acknowledge, supporting them. I agree. And also, you know, acknowledge the fact that all of this started at, at Stonewall in San Francisco, uh, in, sorry, in New York, Stonewall in New York. And when it started in New York, it was drag queens and trans people on that front line. It was them. They were the ones who pushed to make this happen because right from the beginning, they had to be more brave than the rest of us. Right from the beginning, trans people and drag queens have always had to be more brave than the rest of us because of because of the life that they live and because of the, the very beautiful existence that they have and because of the very particular and wonderful way that they get to look at the world. It's a gift that they have. And I think that it's a gift that should be celebrated. And in the same way that they have opened the door for us, let's not forget in this time of need for them, that we need to be there to support this movement. And we, as gay people, as lesbians, as bisexual people who are not trans, people who are cisgendered, we need to be able to, so sorry, I'm going to take that all back. For those of us who are cisgender and who are not trans, generally across the board, particularly in the community, we now need to make sure that if we can, that we are the ones on the front line for them. And I think that that's what community looks like. It means that we step up when we need to. And that's a good place to wrap up. It is 100%. Thank you all so much for joining us again. Now, we will be back in two weeks. We have decided the podcast is needing more time. We need more time for our mental health. We need more time to process the things that we talk about. And we would like to be bringing you guests. So every two weeks, we will be back on Thursdays. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, Joe learns how to fix his contour by next Hopefully time. Hopefully, by the next we time, can't Faz will have you, more darling. Big love. Why is your forehead so wide? See you.